And so I stood with my feet in the water and holding on to some beads she gave us. And, and these are the words that came to me. I am light. I am love. I am compassion. I am here. I am now. And that's what I said. That's what I still say when I wake up in the morning. That's what I say when I can't fall asleep now. It just, that's what came to my mind that day. And the sun went down and the portal closed. And I was like, this is what I'm here for. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and we're on a mission to create a better world. Part of the way we do that is by sharing stories of people who are looking, finding, and living their purpose. People who are acting on intuition, taking leaps, creating amazing products, and filling their hearts along the way. Being more of who we are is our responsibility in this life because no one can play the role of you better than you. And if we all just did that a little bit more each day, well, we believe that we'd all be experiencing the up levels that lead to a better world. Today, we're bringing back one of our favorite guests who we shared the mic with just over two years ago on Podcast 109. Nicole DeBoom is here, and she is one of these people I just described. It was December 2003 when Nicole, professional triathlete at the time, caught a glimpse of herself in a storefront window while on a training run in Lyons, Colorado. In that instant, she felt her motivation sizzle into a burning desire to feel more empowered, feel more body positivity, and feel more like her beautiful, feminine, fierce self in everything she did. She wanted it all, performance, comfort, cute factor, and it was clear from what she saw in her reflection that day that she didn't have it yet, but she knew intuitively that she was onto something epic. She cut her training run short that day, and well, the rest is skirt history. Nicole went on to create the world's first performance running skirt. She opened up a space for women across the globe to come together and support one another through the Skirt Sports Apparel brand. Over the last 16 years, Nicole and her skirt army successfully curated a new category of performance wear for women and turned a single style into a fully merchandised multi-category brand. And now, today, as Nicole eagerly awaits her turn on the microphone, we are excited to dive into all the feels around letting go of skirt sports and allowing in what's next for her, her husband, Tim, and daughter, Wilder. Nicole DeBoom, welcome to the show. Bam. I think I need to like package up that intro and play it every morning when I wake up. I was like having all the feels as I was reading it because I was with you at the beginning and now I'm with you at the end and I have chills and I'm, oh, it's just like to have a dream, to realize the dream and to realize when the dream needs to start to, um, you know, uh, peter out, not really peter out, but like it starts to come down the other side. I mean, my God, you have lived something that most people won't have the courage to do. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's heavy. Some days it's like nothing when, when it all comes into perspective, um, about what's really important in this world and in our lives, but some days it's really heavy. And I am trying really hard to honor all those feelings and not be like embarrassed or feel like I failed. Because sometimes when you end things not in the way that you originally intended, it can feel like a failure. And, uh, and then to just come full circle and appreciate. And it really is kind of reminding me of, 
you know, I watched my husband, Tim, uh, and myself even, but my, my athletic career had a little different ending, more of a transition. Tim went through that exact bell curve that I went through with skirt sports. And I'll tell you, I don't think I realized and appreciated where he landed on the other side um, until now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to speak about Tim's journey, I mean, he was two-time Ironman world champion. And as a professional Ironman-focused triathlete, you know, what more is there in the Ironman world? And But we know that the flow of life, when we have a high, we're going to have that equal amount of low. And so that, I, yeah, I can't even imagine what that is when it's such a singular focus. I know. And, and, um, there's like, there's a life cycle to most things. I mean, there are two human beings, you know, we, we've got a life cycle. We were born, we live, we die. Careers are like that too. And a friend of mine, um, this great guy, he used to be the mayor of Granby where we had a summer home for a while or winter home or whatever, <laughs> vacation home. Um, he is also an entrepreneur and he, you know, he, I, I, uh, I sought his advice on some things and he was just like, you know, Nicole, you did a great thing with this business, but even businesses have life cycles. So at some point you either fully need to reinvent almost like start over, or maybe it's time to let it go. Mm. And I hadn't thought of it like that with business either, but it is interesting just going back to Tim really quick, you know, you you can have a singular focus, but you're not alone in the world. And so there's relationships around you and that touch you and that you give energy towards at some level throughout these different stages of life. But when you do have a super singular focus, the relationships can really suffer. And then um, that's something that happened during Tim's career. You know, like he was so focused on winning Hawaii that our relationship barely hung on by the tips of our fingernails at certain points. And so when he started coming down the backside of, you know, when you win the, the biggest event in the world, like I won the Ironman of creating fitness skirts, right? But there isn't like a real finish line and a medal and a trophy that, that I can get. And I'm probably not going to get into the hall of fame for that. Right. <laughs> so Tim's is a little more like maybe tangible or, or easily defined, right? He literally won the number one biggest race you can win in the sport of triathlon. And he won it twice. And then when he didn't win the third time, that was be the beginning of the bell curve on the other end, right? Mm. And to watch someone you love keep trying and not perform and suffer emotionally is really hard. So when I translate that to skirt sports, I was basically doing the same thing for the last five years. And it's just really hard to see it when you're in it. Yes, it is. And that's why, you know, I love this concept of having a 10,000 foot view where I'm constantly asking myself, you know, what does my big self think about this? Because if I'm in it, like Beej and I, Beej is going to love me sharing this, but Beej and I got in it the other day, like <laughs> shaking his head, like in it. And it was only, um, it was a couple of minutes before you know, I was like, oh, I got to back out of this because this is a cycle we've had for a long time. And this is where our work is, this charge. And, and, um, 
Oh my gosh, I completely lost where I was going. What was I talking about? You had to allow me, allow us to have that experience. You had to it, do our own thing so we walk away. Yeah. Right? You, you have three choices. You can engage, right? You can engage in the conversation. You can endure it. You can just, or you can walk away. And it's okay to do any of those things. And I can, I can speak to that scenario. Like it just, the elevation kept, can keep getting higher and higher because we're in this loop. But the great thing about it is we see it. We notice oh, it. I know what I was going to say. And we can walk away from it. Yeah. That was it. To Jess. That was the, that was the <laughs> 10,000 foot view. So I'm in it and I'm very much in my human, like, uh, like I, I mean, honestly, I mean, I just love being honest on this podcast. Like in that moment, I don't care if either or one of us die or we get divorced. I'm just so caught up in the fierce flames of anger and victimhood. But that 10,000 foot view in that moment, I thought, what does my big self think about this? And it was like, my big self thinks this is so beautiful because once again, you're getting this opportunity to heal a part of what binds you guys together, you know? And so this, this, I'm constantly asking, what does my big self think about this? What does my high mind think about this? Like, and so it helps me ride those waves of intensity in life because I see, I say all the time, everything is for us. And so I can't, for me, I can't just say that and then not live it. So that's my big self that goes, no, this is for you. This is for you to let go of whatever is in you that's not healed. And it's for you to be able to love this amazing being that you're with right now that you cannot even think about loving in this moment. Um, and so that zoomed out view really helps, I think, to, to just see that this is the flow of life. Well, that's it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's also growth. You know, you're, you're going forward through these hard times. And if we bring it back again, even to like, I love the marriage parallel and the relation relationship parallel, because you're never going to have a smooth journey for the entire time you're in a relationship. It's how you get through those times when that tension builds and what you do with it, that is either going to allow you to grow or not. Right. And um, I even thinking about like an Ironman or a marathon or some kind of hard event for some people, it's a 5k that you hit this point where like you are suffering and you can stop and quit and leave. And I walking away to me is different than stop, quit and leave, you know, but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Um, or you can push through and finish, even if you're crying at the finish line and cursing everybody, you know, and when people ask you how it went, you have a hissy fit, right? But it's those races when you actually have the perspective. And I think this is like where you were getting to as well. Like when you actually back off and you can look back on it or look down on it and you're like, that's where I grew the most was through those times that were really hard. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm personally, I'm just coming out of a really, really, really hard time with Mm -hmm. skirt sports and all the things like the relationships, the, where am I going to live now? What am I going to do next? Like that's all on the next cusp of, you know, how, how I take my life forward, I guess the, will reflect on how I handle those things. But, um, but I can feel like I'm still, it's still raw. I'm not a hundred percent through this sort of transition. Mm-hmm. And I think about it and I think about a transition is usually about stopping something that was important to you and then starting something new. 
right? Mm-hmm. So it's a transition. So you're you're ending, you're letting go. You know, some people never let go, but they might end. That's a difference too, I think. And then there's another thing on the other side. So I'm in the process of having let go or finishing letting go. And the next thing I don't know yet, but we can talk about that. I'm going to need your feedback on this. (laughs) Okay. Okay. We're going to help you decide what's next in your life. Um, But it's like, so that transition, and I'm thinking about like a yoga class, uh, you know, once the mind knows like, oh, we're going into this pose next, it's like, you just get into the pose, but you miss that part of how you move out of one pose and how you start to uh, embody the next pose. And that transition is the unknown, which is, I think like, um, I mean, we can say it's a scary place. My big self says it's the place where all our possibilities live. It's where all the, um, dreams we haven't even thought of live and the pose that we are already in. We already know that one. We already know that one. So that just shows us what we already know. And what we know is where our limits are. And what we don't know is where all that amazing stuff comes. But because we're so attached to our minds, not knowing the constructs or how it's going to look can be really scary, or we can choose for it to be really exciting. And I think you're going to have both. You're going to have both. Yeah, you're right. You you do, but a lot of times you live in the fear for a while Mm. before you can get to the excitement, or that's how I was at least. And I think the other thing is that some people are fairly graceful and smooth, and then some some people are really awkward. Not people, but like some tra- – well, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's true people too. But like I feel like I was really awkward for a while with this transition, which I actually think I should take you guys through. Yeah. Yeah, please do. Yeah. 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 Let's do that. Yeah, Because go. the awkward had to happen – before I could sink into it and allow it to sort of just, you know, flow over me. Um, So as you so wonderfully (laughs) described in the intro that I will listen to every morning, um, I've been running this amazing business for 15 years. And it has been like my greatest passion of my life outside of my marriage and my daughter. So this is it. Like, this is the one big thing that just fully consumed me from the beginning. And during the ride, I've had to, I've grown a lot. I've had to do a lot of work on myself. I've confronted some things to allow myself to sort of really, I guess, um, get to my potential, right? So, and things that like that would be, um, I, I quit drinking partway a few years into starting skirt sports. Alcohol was a huge issue for me. My whole, uh, ever since I had my first sip, I was going to say my whole adult life, but it went back to like, you know, 15, 16 years old. And, uh, and it was really creating some problems. And early on in skirt sports, I, I was it was funny. It was an, it's an interesting time. Can we go down this rabbit hole for a minute? Girl, this is your time. And everybody's like, yes, yes. The rabbit hole. The rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean, addictions and things like that are fun to dissect when you're, when you're, when you have space, they're hard when you're in them. Right. Mm. 
Yeah, but, you're too busy um, making up rules about when you can do it and when you're socially acceptable, like when it's okay to do it and when it's okay not to do it. Totally, totally. <laughs> and you know, I think too, you need time. Time is important to be able to talk about things like this. Mm. You know, I was talking to a friend the other day who's just like, I'm just, I'm not ready to talk about divorce yet. I'm just not there. And, um, and I was like, yeah, it took me a long time to be able to really talk about the alcohol journey that I had for so many years. So basically from the minute I had my first drink of alcohol, I had problems with drinking. I was just, I've always been an all in kind of person. And mm -hmm. so alcohol was no different. It was like, I drank to the edge and beyond the edge. And that's where the problem started to lie. And, and it, I wasn't a, like a functioning alcoholic mm -hmm. who needed to drink all day long. I mean, I guess I was a functioning alcoholic, but like I wasn't somebody who woke up and had a drink. I abused alcohol when things in my life weren't awesome. And usually as an adult later on, it became when I was struggling with Tim. When Tim and I were struggling, I would go over the edge with my drinking and so early in starting skirt sports, there was a lot of tension in our marriage. And Tim was struggling to support and accept my new path. And I was super resentful that he wasn't doing that because his bell curve was already obvious. He was coming down the other side. It was sort of like my turn. I have a new passion. Let's support me now. And so when that all started to come to a head and I was really getting mad at him and angry, and then I was just drinking way too much, and then I was making not awesome decisions. And skirt sports was a couple years in, and this is when, Jess, you were more like, you were like an ambassador in the early days. I was. And, I was uh, uh, in your was, first class. I know. I know. It's so amazing. But it was around that time that I was really like going through all of this. Hmm. And our marriage was so close to breaking up that time. I was seeking happiness elsewhere, we can just say. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, looking back on it, it really, all of this needed to happen in order for me to confront this one big issue. So, you know, it was like, Sometimes you're making decisions, even though you don't realize you're making them, that put you on a path towards like being able to sort of clean yourself up and get rid of the shit that's holding you back. And uh, there came a point where Tim was like, I think you need to stop drinking. And instead of, you know, what I went to in my mind was, I just want to be able to say I tried everything to keep, you know, to do everything I could in my marriage. And then after I say I tried everything and it still didn't work, then I'm going to leave and feel good about it. I literally was like, there's no way we're going to stay together. But um, turns out when I stopped drinking and I told myself every single morning I actually want to be in this marriage and I didn't believe it at first. And then one day about six months later, I woke up and I was like, I want to be in this marriage. And then I was like, wait, I, I actually think I believe that now. 
And yeah. it was a really interesting wow. moment. And I had been sober for six months and it was so like awkward and raw with that because you've got to create new connections. And, and, you know, I just felt a little different. Um, but once that all started to settle, everything got more grounded again. So isn't that interesting? Like all of these things that have to happen. Yeah. I, but I mean, we're, I believe what I've seen in my own life is that this whole journey of life is a net gain. It's, but if you look at like the map of a trail run, it's always a net gain, but you'll see that you're going up and down the entire freaking time. That there's going to be some times where your arms are out to the side and you're going down this beautiful single track and there's pine needles and no rocks or roots. And it's just like, oh my God, I'm going to, I could do this for another 500 miles with no nutrition. And then the next thing you know, you're bouldering and the rocks are so sharp that you have to pay such close attention that you're not going to pierce an eye, but you just keep going. You just keep going. And, you know, I've, I've used this example before with some of the people I work with, with meditation. It's like, even the person who's struggling with alcohol, when they hit rock bottom, rock bottom does not mean that they're not moving forward. Rock bottom doesn't mean that they've, they've moved back. It means that they're moving forward. It, it, it is there for them to strengthen their desire for whatever it is that they've, is behind the pain that's been being covered up. But we're always moving forward. We're always moving forward. That's how much life loves us. I love that outlook. It's such an important outlook when you are going through the rock bottoms. And the hard thing is, like, you, often you don't know what rock bottom is. Well, you really don't know mm -hmm. until you're out the other side, and then you're like, oh, God, I never want to go back there again. Yeah. You know? And I bet you felt like that intuitive voice like you know you knew that there was something off with the alcohol like that intuitive voice as much as i love it i'm like oh why are you always right oh it sucks because <laughs> you know for me i'm like why did i have to like blow it for myself even though i know this is truly this is an illness you know i mean this is a a disease that people have it's it's genetic in many cases and people really struggle and can't control addictions. It's not something that people can generally just sort of like turn on and off. Right. And that was my problem. I couldn't, I was like, why is beer look so good now? Like there's so many awesome kinds of beer and I cannot have them. And there's five non-alcoholic beers and they all suck. <laughs> and the reason I cannot have the good beer is because if I have a good beer, I might be fine for like a month to have a beer or two at night. There will come a day where somebody's like, shots anybody? <laughs> 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 you know, my, my college age and 20 year old, you know, um, my, my, my drinking girl will come out and be like, yeah, I could handle that. And then it's all over. I mean, I was, I was a blackout drinker. Once I hit a point, I would be blacked out. And then that's a scary place because once you go there to everyone else, you seem like you are awake and alert and you know what's going on. You just are tipsy. But to you, you have no recollection of what is happening around you or to you. And it's a dangerous kind of, you know, phenomenon to happen to people. And I've always been that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I've always known. 
that I've always wanted so desperately to be able to control my drinking, and I never could. It mm. always eventually, you know, came back to, it crept up to that dangerous level, you know? So, and it almost always happened when things in my life were not awesome, mm-hmm. and I was seeking some kind of release, or I was mad, and this was how I, yeah, I was seeking a release. Yeah, the mind, knows, the, the mind knows the result of that. That's what's that, the mind already, it, it wants comfort and it knows if it has a drink, it's going to be able to numb out and not have to think about things. So how profound is that? Like, so what else in your life, in your mind, is it is happening so that it's on automatic so that you don't have to worry about things? It's like an awakening. It is. It is. But then, you know, it's also hard for people who tend towards, you know, being the all in type because mm-hmm. I need I needed to put that effort and energy that I was putting into drinking <laughs> into something else. Like it doesn't just go away this need to go as far as I can, right? So that's going to be one of my challenges throughout my life, you know? I mean, it might be like what's Nicole doing? Oh, she, now she's meditating 7 hours a day. You know, like you could have things that seem healthy. Exercise is a perfect example too. You know, people go off the deep end. They can't not move their body. That's their addiction. That's their release. But to the outside world, that's healthy or it's healthier than like doing cocaine or something, you know, but it's still for that person. It can be a problem. There's always a rationalization. There's always, you can always justify, you know, exercise. Sure. I'm fit and strong. Like, this is awesome. This is what I do every day. I don't want to be that person over there who's having Big Macs all the time and, and their addiction. So it, it's all what we can justify. And I think this time that we're in right now is what we're seeing too, is people questioning, um, or at least those that are have a little window of awakening, like the window slightly open, they can see like maybe there is something to this addiction to running, um, addiction to going to the gym now that gyms are closed. And if we can kind of like, peek that window open just a little bit more, shed some light, let some light in, you start to question who you are. And that's a really, uh, really scary place to be. And that kind of sounds like where you are too, transitioning in yes. all of this, like yes. questioning who am I? And, and it's such a, I know it's tough to embrace this, but it's such an amazing place to be. I mean, it, the, it's just endless opportunity. If you can look at it like that and and I like to equate it to Seinfeld a little bit, like opposite George. I don't know if you remember that episode, oh, opposite yeah, absolutely. George. Absolutely. <laughs> like do everything opposite. And he's got the lady and he's got the job with the Yankees. Like flip things around and just do opposite of what you would normally do. And it's a way to kind of uh, jumpstart that process into uh, finding the thing that you that you truly love, but have just been, you know, hesitating to just dip your toes into it a little bit. Well, yeah, because we're too much in our minds mm-hmm. and we have well, these. Yeah, go ahead. Well, we're always trying to fix the problem instead of entering the solution. Yeah. Oh, my solution gosh. Solution energy. Such and a that's, good what, point. that's what opposite George does is he stops trying to fix the problem and he goes into the opposite, which is the solution energy, which allows him to get everything he desires. Seinfeld is one <laughs> so of the profound. best. <laughs> the best. <laughs> The best. <laughs> Remember when he had his swishy pants every time he walked? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, you're right. So 
if we fast forward, like I ha- I've had to tackle a few things like that throughout this 15 years of skirt. And each one has gotten me to a new place, right? A place where I feel more in tune with who I am, feel better about where I, I stand in the world. And, and it's allowed me to open my mind and over the years, like create a culture for women that felt really inclusive and accepting. And my ultimate number one goal was to help women find happiness in their bodies, that's what the that's what the company was. I mean, you could just say my ultimate goal is to help women find happiness. That's so touchy feeling out there, but that really is it. You know, one one layer removed. I just did it through clothing. And I got to have these relationships with women through how the clothing felt and 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 look to them on their bodies. And that that's very intimate, right? Mm-hmm. And you can only really, I think, have that relationship if you're willing to be open about who you are and not hiding shit. And that is what, you know, this is about is like not hiding the things, like getting rid of that shame around the things that we know are not good for us. And, and the alcohol journey was a big part of that for me because I think it really, it freed me up to, to be more, just open about who I am and not feel like I was carrying a little bit of a secret that I knew wasn't right for me. Yeah. We need you to be more of you. Like nobody can be Nicole, like Nicole, I can't be Nicole and you can't be Jess. Like I need to focus on being more of me. And, and that is definitely like open up the drawers, the ones that are kind of so stuffful and you're like, I don't even know what's in here and I kind of don't want to see it, but we have to be willing to see it in order for us to really be who we are. And it's a process. There's going to be more stuff along the way. There is Um, more stuff. There's more stuff. And I I think there's things that are like kind of coming to the surface now. So when you go through a transition like I'm in, things do start to bubble up. And BJ, you talked about... um, I don't know if I wrote this down, but like there's stagnate or what was it um, in the beginning of a transition journey? You're kind of stuck or what was it? You're no, you're trying to, you both talked about this, Jess, you did solve a problem. Mm. So then you later on maybe can try to switch that and, and look for the solution. So that is exactly what happened to me. So in business, we you go through the roller coaster, just like relationships, like everything in life. Business, in a sense, to me, was like a child. And it came with, I'm not going to say burdens, because it wasn't burdens, it was obligations. I had obligations to shareholders. I raised over a million dollars of money from my friends and family. My dream and goal was to give them an amazing return and have this incredible exit one day and do what Justin did with Justin's nut butter and sell for $300 million to Hormel, you know, but like that really is the goal when you are raising money and in business and you're on this growth path. But partway through, like things happen in the world and the world started shifting and our business model had to shift as well. And as soon as it starts shifting the opportunity to have that exit, I think it's sort of, it just, it it decreases every year. And, um, like, think about it in the past 15 years, we had the, we had a recession, 
So that wasn't good. That was a while ago. Then we had the retail apocalypse, which was like part of this recession. And that's when all these little stores started going out of business because the internet became the way people shopped. So my business was a part of that shift. You know, we used to sell to 500 little retail stores all over the country and world. And, um, and they, that whole model changed. And when that changed, like the, the business, like from a high level, the revenue went down. And when that happens, it just changes your future prospects, right? So that's about maybe halfway through the business, maybe seven years ago or so, I started grappling with that problem. And then it was like, okay, can we rebuild the business? So so in the middle of my business's life cycle, I started going through a few different roller coaster sort of humps of having a big problem that may or may not have been started by me or my company, may have been just the world around us changing. And then we had to decide, do we how do we adapt to this? Because I was in an athlete mindset of you finish the race at all costs. You just keep trying. You try harder. Just go harder. Just throw some more junk miles in there. Just, you know, it's like you, you just layer, layer it on top. And this happens in relationships too, right? Just try harder and we'll stay together. Um, <laughs> we'll have a like, baby. We'll move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's a mindset that serves us somewhat in sports because there are times when you just have to like gut it out and try harder to get there. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I reinvented the business, I'd say two solid times. And each time you reinvent, it takes about three years. It's not like you reinvent and it's done in, in a month. You reinvent, you, you hit a, a rock bottom, and then you start growing again. And each of these three-year cycles, I said, after the right around the third year, I think I'm going to sell the business because I know there's more for me out there in this world. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm feeling stifled. And that last thing I want to do is resent this beautiful company I created. I love the women I serve. Um, I love... I love the products we make, but I'm personally not very fulfilled. And each time I did this three-year cycle, something happened at the end of the cycle that made it not the right time to sell the company. And the last cycle, we were getting ready actually to sell the company last year in early 2019. So we started the process. When you sell your company, there's all kinds of ways to do it. And I actually got a broker who was amazing, um, and he, he, he's an awesome guy. He helps smaller businesses in the fitness and health and outdoor space like figure out the right fit for their future. So we hired him, and he helped us create all these materials, and there's a lot of work that went into this, right? I was ready, and the business looked great. We'd had three years of solid growth and profitability. We had this more direct-to-consumer model that was really had a lot of potential. And it was July, say, 31st of 2019. On August 1st, we're going to kind of put the company to market. You like you know, get it out to the buyer networks and all the stuff, and, and you start seeking a buyer. Well, on July 31st, we were finalizing. There's one slide left in our 50-slide deck that showcases the company. 
and it was the projections for 2019. And there was one area of our business that was, we had some risk. Everything else was lined up well there, but when you have one thing that's a little too much, and in this case, it was one customer that was too big of a customer that if anything happened to that customer, it could really hurt your business, right? So same could go with like your supply chain. If you're, all your eggs are in one factory and there's a hurricane or, or it's, you know, something happens, you, you're done for the season. Well, in this case, we had one customer that was a large chunk of our business and it was Amazon. And Amazon is truly a beast. And I didn't talk about this at the time because I didn't, I felt like I didn't want it to say anything bad about anybody. But the truth is Amazon does some things to businesses that can really hurt a business and they don't care because they're a machine. You know, they really don't. Like you're often just have to talk to people halfway across the world if, and, and it's usually email that you have to communicate with them on. There's no relationship and relationships are so important to me. And, um, and we knew that this, that this account was a little too big, but what happened is last year they made some changes with their business and they said, any business that does under 10 million with us, we might just pull our business with them and tell them they have to work with us in this different uh, platform. And on July 31st, we're getting our final confirmation that Amazon was going to take $400,000 of inventory that they had ordered. And they said, you know what? We don't, we're not going to take it. We don't want it. We're changing your business. You've got to switch your business and do it and work with us a different way. And so from July 31st, we went from having projections that were going to look amazing, having growth and profitability to suddenly being faced with, I think we're going to lose like two or $300,000 this year now. And we have $400,000 of inventory that we paid for that we now have to move because you can't just switch your business with Amazon. It takes a couple of years to ramp it up again. And from one day to the next, that entire dream was just pulled out. It was like, it was extreme. What does that look for you, like coping mechanism wise? Well, I mean, I always wish I could have a beer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually so glad I don't drink because it would have been so ugly. Um, I experienced some things emotionally and physically that I don't know if I've ever experienced because not only was I not going to be able to like sell my business, I was faced with, I might be in debt the rest of my life. I could have a bank chasing me around. We had, you know, bank loans. I didn't know if we'd pay them off. Um, my marriage could now finally fall apart because of all the stress. And, and if I, what if we lost our home? You know, like there was just, my mind went into this cycle of thinking that I don't experience. I, I never do. It's, I, but it felt kind of like an OCD um, mindset and it would really happen in the mornings and in the middle of the night, I would wake up mm-hmm. to pee or something. And then all of a sudden I'd be like the bank. I mean, it was like this monkey on my shoulders and I was like, I'm going to lose ever. I could lose everything. I just spent 15 years building this beautiful business and I don't know how to get out of this. And that's where my head was for a while. It was stuck. 
I don't know how to get out of this. And you know what also happened is the next day when I woke up, there was a twitch in my thigh. They're usually like in your eyes or like a weird cheek thing or, you know, something. It was in my thigh. I'm like, why is my thigh twitching? It didn't stop twitching for two months. It twitched every day, all day. And in my mind, I was like, God, it must be burning a lot of calories because my muscles are really working right now, <laughs> twitching away. But my body was taking a toll. I, my body got like, it, I was in pain. I've got some back issues. Everything was in pain. I, my, I, was, I was definitely like gaining, I kept calling myself bloated. I'm like, oh, I'm just bloated. But I think I gained weight like without changing much about my life. I was sort of like... I was just feeling very unhealthy. I was trying to work out. I was, it was just, it was a dark place for a couple months. Yeah. I mean, my big self says, wow, what a purification you were receiving. Uh, right? Way to spin it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, ha I mean, I know how that feels. It's like you're pinned down by this dark cloud that feels like a Mack truck and I think the, for, in my own experience with that, I, you know, I call it like the dark night of the soul is that I, I find that the gift in that is that all I can do in, in those cases is just take the next breath. So it really, as much as everything's spinning out into the future and this, and being scared. And again, this is that one way that we um, can navigate the unknown it really brings you into the present moment. You're like, okay, what, like I've got food in the fridge and the house hasn't been taken yet. And okay, so I'm okay right now. You know, I, that is part of it. The other way that I coped, back to your original question, <laughs> is um, I wrote. When I would mm -hmm. wake up and I couldn't sleep and my head would spin, I would finally sit down and write it down and then I'd look at it and I'm like, oh, it's just that. It's not that times 1,000, oh, which in my so head, it's just yeah. like spin, 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 keep hit, you know. Um, and when that's I would so write it important. down, yeah, it just, it would, it would go away in my head. I mean, the situation didn't go away. And, you know, what ended up happening is I just decided like a good athlete to go to the next mile marker. And I was like, we got to sell this inventory. We're going to lose a shitload of money this year. We've never lost this much money. You know, we're a solid business, but we got to sell this inventory. So we fire sailed a bunch of the inventory Amazon was going to buy last fall. And by the end of the year, we had paid off the bank. And I was like, oh my God, now that's done. Now what's the next mile? And, and what kind of kept facing it like that. So here's the really funny thing. 2019 ended, like we entered 2020 and here was my overarching thought. I am so glad 2019 is over that year sucked. 2020 is going to be amazing. That's what I went into this year with. How funny is that? Uh, it's a good, it's a good mindset. Good perspective, it's a yeah. good mindset to yep. go into, right? Like, and if you're good, if you're true to your word, then you're always going to look for how it's amazing. It, it, honestly, it's been, it's been a whirlwind, but it right now it feels amazing. So, so many people are suffering, but I, I don't know. It's spun. It's spun itself around for me. It feels amazing. Good. I'm so, I'm so glad to hear that. And I think people, I mean, I just want to thank you so much. Like 
you have been vulnerable since we turned the microphones on. And it's just, it's so beautiful. These are the important conversations that people need to hear because, you know, one of the underlying intentions with these conversations in this podcast is that, you know, I have this on my heart that I don't ever want anyone to feel alone. You know, we're not alone. Like we wake up in the middle of the night and it's like the bank, you know, wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, I didn't pay that bill. And now I'm going to have a late fee. And, uh, and so nobody's alone. And I just want to thank you so much for, for sharing all of that with us. So once you sold off the inventory and we're feeling that you could breathe again in 2020 was going to be amazing, which it has been, um, <laughs> you set back, when did you set back on selling the company? Well, it's interesting. There's a thing that happened in January that I haven't really talked about yet, but I feel like this might be the moment to at least break it open a little. Um, but I feel like 2020 has been about clearing out some old crap to allow me to move forward. So, you know, I learned how to surf a few years ago nice. and I had planned a surf trip with Colleen Cannon to Costa Rica in January of this year. And, um, you know, Colleen Cannon too, legend triathlon. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. <laughs> but we just went, me and her, we didn't go with a whole retreat and we went and, and had this great experience in Costa Rica. And theoretically I shouldn't have gone. The business was in too much peril and we were trying to figure out how it was going to go forward. But I went anyway and when I went there, I realized it was, I was not there to surf. I was there for a different experience to happen. So <clears throat> I was there for a week and a couple days into the trip, um, I had a little injury on the board because I'm somewhat new and the waves had gotten, it was getting into um, like low tide. And so the waves were a little bit scarier because they were breaking harder. And anyway, I crashed. I basically crash every time I ride a board. <laughs> every time I ride a wave, like I crash, I don't usually ride them and like skip off the board and end on the shore. <laughs> but um, so I went down and that time my board came back and hit me right in the, like in the sternum. It hit me hard. And I had never really been hit by my board. And um, I came up and my first thought was, that was bad. Can I breathe? I did the whole like, am I here? What's happening? And, um, and I was okay. It, it just hurt really bad, like really bad. Like I actually think if I got an x-ray, it would show like some extra bone growth. Like I might've stress fractured it or something, you know? But, um, but I'm an athlete and I'm paying for this trip. So I stayed on the board for another half hour or so. <laughs> but every time I finished, like I was in the moment doing the thing, popping up, riding as much as I could. And I would come back out and I would just like have my hands on my heart and I could feel it just like pumping. And I needed a little like comfort there. So, so the trip got a little crazy after that because I mentioned earlier that Tim and I have been through some things in our marriage where um, I was seeking happiness elsewhere at one point, and he was seeking happiness elsewhere at one point. And, you know, this isn't something that a lot of people talk about in marriage is when you, you know, when you go down that slippery slope and you actually act on it, right? 
But um, we had both been there. And it's funny because our marriage counselor was like, I think one of the things that is going to give you guys a chance for success is that you have both done this to each other. (laughs) If one of you did, you might not make it. (laughs) And there were different times of our marriage for different reasons too. But um, it was a crazy turn of events in Costa Rica because there was this dinner where I was talking to this woman who was renting out her house down the road right by the surf beach. This is in a tiny town in Costa Rica in the middle of nowhere. And she goes, do you know? And then she named the name of this woman from Boulder. She and her family are renting our house. And the minute she said her name, my heart sank I went into a completely different universe because that is the woman that Tim had a relationship with. And I thought I was done with it. Mm. You know, I I thought it was over for me because Tim and I were in a good place now. We're in a different place in our life. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, wait, am I going to see her? What's going on? Why is this happening? This woman is here. Like, and how would I even know except for the fact that I happen to be talking to this other woman? Like, it was very strange. So I actually immediately said, kind of came back to her and said, I need to tell you something. And I told her what happened. And I said, I know this person. And she said, oh my gosh, I don't like her at all. Like she went <laughs> this whole like, I like you way better. Immediate, immediate. <laughs> totally. She was like, oh my God, that's, I can't stand her anyway. Her family's horrible. Like she went into this thing, but, um, and I didn't even really know her, but I felt very connected at that moment. Right. And so I just, I walked away from that dinner and I was like, why is this happening? Did this happen? Because, did this happen? Because no matter where I go in the world, she could always be there and I haven't really let her go. I mean, that's kind of a possibility. Maybe I need, maybe this trip is about letting her go. Right. So I, um, I went on the next day we surfed and my chest was really hurting. And Colleen is very hooked up in Costa Rica with the healing community. And there's a lot of healers there, very different than what we have in the States. I mean, it's, it's not as common to find people who are actually healers and they're healers physically, but also emotionally, I think. So I had a treatment with a healer and I thought she was going to do a massage and she came in and she had this little suitcase and I was like, so, you know, my chest hurts here and my back kind of hurts. And she's like, okay, great. But we're not going to do that kind of healing today. I'm going to read your energy. And I was like, okay, let's do this, do the thing. So she takes out all her vials and she's speaking in tongues. I'm just assuming you guys have had these kinds of treatments. Oh, I definitely have had this kind of treatment. It's amazing. (laughs) Oh yeah. And so she, and I'm just kind of laying there and she goes, okay, I want you to sit up now. I need to tell you something. And she said something happened and she named a month and a year which was about two months off, which I later learned can, there can be a little bit of a differentiation with energy work because, you know, they can only read what they can read at that moment. But the, the date and month corresponded to when I found out about mm. this, you know, relationship. 
And she said, I want to, and she didn't know that. She didn't know anything. She just said, something happened to you at this time that caused you so much pain and your heart was basically broken. And I think maybe you got hit in the surf with the surfboard in that part of your body to heal that and let it go. And I'm crying. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That (laughs) happened, you know, and it was just a really crazy moment. And, uh, anyway, she went away and I just sat there and, and was continuing to go through the trip just with this like knowledge that I think something's building here. Something's happening. And the night before I left, I was leaving the next morning at like 9am, right? I'm going to get picked up in my driveway at 9am. The night before is this big like energy night. It was 2 two twenty. So it was like a, a, a portal opened or something. And Colleen had, um, had us go out. There were a few of us and we went out on the beach that night and she's like, this is it. This is when you declare who or what you are and you put it out there. And as the sun goes down, you declare it and you stand and you feel it. And so I stood with my feet in the water and holding on to some beads she gave us. And, and these are the words that came to me. I am light. I am love. I am compassion. I am here. I am now. And that's what I said. That's what I still say when I wake up in the morning. That's what I say when I can't fall asleep now. It just, that's what came to my mind that day. And the sun went down and the portal closed. And I was like, I'm light, I'm love, I'm compassion, I'm here, I am now, I'm on some growth journey. And this is what I'm here for. So it's happened. I'm letting this go, right? So the last morning I wake up and Colleen's like, you got to go surf in the morning, two hours. You can get in two hours before you have to be back at eight o'clock. And so I went down and I surfed that morning. And, um, I, I feel like that morning was really important for me because like, I feel like everything that happened that morning, it was like, had to happen exactly how it happened. But, um, I surfed and like, I caught this one final wave and Colleen kind of tried to talk me into taking another wave. And I was like, nope, this is it. I'm done. I got to go or I'm not going to have time to shower and get ready and get picked up. And I walked into you know, I walked into the beach and I saw some people and instead of like going to their house and having coffee, I like walked down the beach and brought my surfboard back to this um, kind of restaurant where some women were starting a retreat. And I stood there for 10 minutes and talked to them and shared some thoughts about the waves and, you know, what a great, great retreat they were going to have. And it's like every minute was so important, right? So I, uh, I walked out of the restaurant and there's like a hundred meters from the restaurant to the house I was staying. It's up a hill and there's a blind curve right there. I am a 47 year old woman in a one piece swimsuit and flip flops with sunscreen all over my face and my hair in these like kind of surfer pigtails I wear. And it's funny because the one-piece swimsuit seemed really important for some reason, the visual. <laughs> I mean, seriously. So I'm walking up the street, and in my mind, I, once I hit my driveway in 100 meters, 
I was gone from Costa Rica. I was getting picked up in my driveway. There was a gate. That was it. And I I turned out onto the street and I said, something's going to happen. And as I walked up the street and I got to the top of this hill where our gate was, I went to punch in my numbers, but I just looked left for a second and there was a woman walking a dog coming up the other side of the street right there at that exact moment on the dirt road, 15 seconds before I would have been gone from Costa Rica. And my first reaction was, I'm just going to go in my driveway and ignore this person who I'd ignored the few times I saw her over the past five years or so. And I went to do that. And then something about, I am light, I am love, I am compassion, I am here, I am now, it just like hit me. And I, I took my body and I just turned toward her. And she, she was hitting the top of that hill at that moment. And we stood across from each other. And I said, hi. And she said, hi. <laughs> and she said, I heard you were here. And we had a conversation. And I asked how she was. And then I said, how's your marriage? And she said, it's a different marriage now but it's okay. We're okay. And we talked for another few seconds and I just felt compelled. Mike, I physically felt like I had to go across the street and I did. And I walked across the street and I said, I think I need to give you a hug. And I did. (laughs) And she was crying. And she said, I just didn't want you to think that I planned this. I don't want you to think I'm a bad person. I'm not evil. Like she had a lot of emotion too. And I just looked at her and I said, it's okay. It's over. We can be done now. And I am not a person who puts my hands in the little like prayer sign at my chest in my one piece swimsuit and flip flops. But at that moment, like I just looked at her and I kind of like gave a little hand prayer and I was like, we can be done and turned around. One other thing she said to me, she said, I never take the road. I always take the beach. I was going to walk my dog to get some coffee and I always take the beach, but today I took the road and the road's dusty and not fun to walk on. So you'd never take the road, but that day she took the road. And so I turned around and I felt done. I turned around, walked away, walked up the driveway, and I just, it was over. Uh, I have released that. Well, the surfboard had to crack your armor. It was. That's what it took to like begin to to crack that armor. Because the shit we hold in our heart, the stuff that we constrict over time and we think we're over, like, no. It's we can't constrict because we're loving beings. We are loving, compassionate, um, and and when I say love, it's like unconditional love. We love ourselves so much we protect ourselves from what we're not ready for. But when we're ready, and there's that big self again, sometimes it takes a surfboard to crack it. You know, to literally crack, make a crack for for that to start to open. 
That's so beautiful. I love this. Can you this. believe that I, happened? Oh, 100%. Of course mm-hmm. I can believe that happened. It's so perfect. It's like your big self, I, her big self. It was all orchestrated. It's energy. That's, that's the energy. Amazing. That just, this stuff that we can't even see is happening. Pulled you to Costa Rica. Like pulled you away from the very place <sighs> where you could deal with it. Pulled you away. Like this- I, I couldn't have done. I couldn't have had that interaction here. I wouldn't have been walking down the street in a one-piece swimsuit and flip-flops here, <laughs> waiting to run into somebody I didn't want to see. Well, and you were so right? vul- and you were vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You had the energy clearing. You had the surfboard cracking your sternum. Yeah. You had you're in like your bathing suit. You're vulnerable, naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That's so. Thank you. And you know, I felt like we turn away a lot, but turning in is really important. I've I've thought about this like. My first instinct was to turn away, but I, I couldn't resist the call to turn in and I did it. And it was just, it was crazy. I actually thought my sternum would feel better immediately. Like it would be magic. It took like another month. Yeah. But- <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta heal the physical, like the energy was able to, yeah. you were able to release yes. the energy that you were holding on to. but yeah, the physical yeah. body's going to take a, a minute. <laughs> oh my God. And so I, I, f- something about, you know, this set the tone for this year, mm. letting go of things, releasing things, opening up to the new. And I had to let that go. I thought I had let it go, but I did. I hadn't let it go. Oh, well, you had let go of like whatever you were ready to let go of. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I learned through my studies of, I <clears throat> had some training in trauma, trauma in the body, like shock trauma, which really what you experienced finding out and, you know, that's, a, that's a shock to your system is that we, when we are ready to let it go, we'll let it go in only the amount that we're ready to let it go. So it was nothing that, it's nothing that you can rush. Um, but most certainly when it shows up, that's where we really need to use that conscious awareness to say, I'm not going to turn away. Like, I'm just going to look at her. You know, it feels kind of vulnerable right now to have shared that publicly. I know. So I think, you know, you guys allow us to take steps forward that, have these kind of conversations because the first time you put something like this out in the universe, it's a little bit, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah. You might have a podcast hangover after this, but maybe a little bit, you can call me. <laughs> I'll call you. Um, it's an important story it's, and you know, it yeah. led to my next big moves this year and you know, I felt more free and, I was still faced with what am I going to do with this company, but there was something that I had more peace after that in general. Um, so, so yeah, what ended up happening to skirt sports is I was going to try to just get it back on track again and see if I could stabilize it and all of that. And COVID hit and so, you know, a lot of companies did great and some clothing companies have done fine. No one's crushing it in clothing right now, except maybe Lululemon because they crush it no matter what happens in the world. But, um, I, it was too much. It was a couple months of sales dropping again when we weren't even stable yet. And I just, I saw the wall coming and I was like, I'm either going to let that wall hit me in the face and end up in a place I don't want to be, or I'm going to make a decision to end 
the life cycle, like end the suffering, you know, of this sweet company and allow it to allow it to end on a positive note. I was like, I'm going to win at ending. I'm going to sell all the inventory. I'm going to pay every vendor. I don't want anybody. I don't want anybody like coming after me. I want to end this positively. I want to end this with as much as we have in the bank so I can possibly pay our investors a little bit of money. And while that's happening, maybe I'll find a new owner. I'm still going to try. And that, that was another freeing decision. On May 1st, we started our, um, what we called our finish line sale. And I'm going to share numbers because I don't even care anymore. Our number one online day before May 1st of 2020, we probably did like $60,000 in a day online. Like a that's freaking ginormous, right? Online sales only. When we launched our finish line sale, we did well over $200,000 in one day. Thank you. And I was like, why are we so, why are we stopping? Like everyone loves us. But a friend of mine had told me like, you have one golden bullet. Like you shoot that bullet, you've got one shot. So shoot it and then get ready to ship. Because if it goes well, you will spend the rest of the time in the warehouse shipping until you feel freed up again enough to send out another email to spike again. That's so amazing. And that's exactly what happened. So I spent um, the next few months, you know, managing the chaos, trying to get all the orders out. Um, all my, I had to let go of my entire team except one person. That was really hard, but everyone was amazing. And I tried to do it with as much transparency and openness as I could. And that was another thing that released me back in after the Amazon issue was like, when I kept everything inside, my leg twitched, my mind Mm -hmm. spun. But when I finally allowed myself to be a little more open about what was happening in a way that felt safe with the business, it, it changed, it changed everything, right? It allowed me some freedom. And then the support that came in the other side, that will fuel me for the rest of my life. Like that makes me, it reminds me of this concept of like writing people on a random, you know, day, what you would say at their funeral, write it to them today. Because why wait to tell people how awesome they are and how much work they've done that's been meaningful and how much they've impacted you? And when I, when I shared to my community that I was going to close the business down, that I had mixed feelings and I was sad about it. That's what I felt. I was like, I feel like I'm reading like what people would say at my memorial service, you know? And it was like, God, I wish they would just have told me that every day. But, you know, the, these times when you get spikes in support and positivity, it really helped. Yeah. Helped a lot. And so you yeah. found a buyer. Yeah. So, so as we were winding down, actually, it's kind of funny. Um, Sarah Ratzliff is the owner of the Zuma Women's Race Series. And I'd been talking to anyone who reached out because I put it out there. I'm looking for a buyer. And she hadn't seen like some of that information yet. And we hadn't started our sale. It was like a week away. And she actually was following up to an email that was six months old. So she'd been going through some stuff in 2019 too. 
and she was way behind on emails. And she sends me this note and is like, hey, I'm just getting around to this email from November. It was like April. <laughs> and she's like, do you still want to do a cross promotion? I was like, nope, I don't want to do a cross promotion, but if you want to buy my company, I want to talk. It was literally like that direct. And she was like, well, that could be interesting. <laughs> she just is an open, open-minded person. And she started thinking about it. And the more she thought about it, the more she realized it could actually be perfect, a perfect next move for her and her business. And um, we, we had some great discussions over the summer. And the craziest, another crazy like energy thing, at the end of the road... So I just, in my mind, I was like, there is no way we are, we had $700,000 of inventory when we started. That is a lot mm -hmm. of inventory, you know? So it, it, it should have taken us like six months or more to sell it. And I wanted to sell it faster if we could, but, um, so as you sell it off, you end up with the, the dregs, the stuff, the last of the line. And we're coming down, we have six days left. And I'm like, this is it. We're just going to plan it. We're just going to plan it. We're going to put an end date on it. I don't want to be like selling shit out of my garage for years. <laughs> like, let's just end the thing. So we said six days to go. Um, we had 750 units and it was almost all extra small black one piece swimsuits. How funny is the one piece swimsuit? <laughs> oh, yeah. That just hit me. Because I actually was posting photos of when I won the Ironman back in 2004 and I was in a one-piece swimsuit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, the one-piece swimsuit is very symbolic that we're ending with it. But now after telling that other story, I feel like the one-piece swimsuit, man. All the rage. I should own like 20 of those. I need, I'm wearing one under my outfit right now. It's like my power suit. <laughs> but um, so we're coming down and we're selling it. And I'm like, how, is, how are we still selling it? I've been selling it to the same people for four months. Like, there's no way they need another extra small black one-piece swimsuit. Are there that many extra small people still in our database left? And we get down to the last night, and we had 28 units. 27 of them were black one-piece swimsuits. <laughs> there was one other thing. That sold immediately. And I was like, we're going to sell them all tomorrow. And it was a Sunday. It was August 16th. <clears throat> and I woke up that morning. I hit send on an email because I was doing all the emails at the end. And they were ridiculous. Like I would write the weirdest stuff. No one ever said anything. <laughs> um, but so I send this last email and I'm like, this is it, guys. 27 black one piece swimsuits. Let's do this. <laughs> and at 11 a.m., the very last one sold. See, we sold everything. All your inventory you sold off. Every last oh thing. I got into the dashboard. I wrote an email to the woman who bought the very last one. And she said, wrote me right back and said, Nicole, I have your skirts from 14 years ago still. And I thought this is so perfect, perfect mm -hmm. person to buy the last one. And at that time, I'm still talking to Sarah and we haven't finalized the deal, but we are so close. So I know it's going to go on, but I had to end this part, right? So at noon, I get in the car to go to Steamboat with Tim for a week. And we had put an offer on a home the week before, and we didn't get the home, or a month before. We didn't get the home. Someone else got the home. So we had a backup offer on it. It was an amazing home. It, we wished we could have had it, but we were going for a week to just play, and maybe something else would come on the market. 
two hours into our drive, right before like cell phone reception went out, we got a call from our realtor and she said, Nicole, the other party pulled out. You're in, you got the home. And we were like, oh my God. (laughs) So I started crying. You know, we have an hour, there's no cell reception. I couldn't call her back. And it was just like, it's all happening. Uh, We couldn't get the home while I was still selling shit. I had to finish up skirt sports and do it in the best way I could. And once I got it done, once we sold that last thing, we got in the car, the home was ours. And Tim and I were like, we're moving to steamboat. This is all happening. So that's where we are today. We actually put our home on the market today. Yeah, It just listed and in Boulder. And uh, we're moving in two weeks, and I am no longer the owner of Skirt Sports. I love our new owner. This was not a financial windfall for me, and you know, it, this was not about the financial part of a transition of a company. This was about getting the company in the right person's hands, and it happened. And I'm just, you know, I really had to step back and redefine what success was to me. I was feeling like I failed but only financially. I was not, I had not failed in any other way with this business. This business has been an absolute joy and success in every other way. My gosh. So I've finally come to a place where I feel I've accepted that and then I feel really good about it. So that is where I am. Can you believe this freaking whirlwind? Okay. There's so much in that. (laughs) This podcast is... Nobody ever needs to listen to anything again because it's all right here, folks. It's all right here. I mean, there's so, oh my gosh, it's so true. It's like you, I mean, you're the living example right now of you've got to, like when one door closes, when one door, like when you finish, something else will open. Um, We have to keep moving forward as we're, you know, having those highs and lows um, and developing that inner voice that says stop at the gate and turn around, the inner voice that says it makes no sense to go to Costa Rica, but go, the inner voice that says, oh my God, there's no way we're going to sell three quarters of a million dollars worth of stuff. And every single thing sells and how beautiful life can, um, can be put together, you know, when we just stay grounded in the moment and we keep moving forward, like whatever that next logical, whatever that next logical step is. This has been an amazing conversation, Nicole. I love you so much. And if it wasn't for skirt sports, I wouldn't know you. We wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have this, you know, over a decade, uh, relationship, which it's not like we talk every day on the phone, but it seems that way. It seems that way. It just feels like you're like a sister, like family. And, and we love you. I I love you dearly. I mean, there's a lot of history for sure. And, and I think that's really important. You have connections with people and they don't have to end because you move. Right. Or because you start doing other things, you know? Right. And I feel the same way about you guys. And that's why I love, I love these conversations. You are, you're in a different chapter of life too. You know, mm. you are enlightened in different ways <sighs> than you were when you were in Boulder. Oh my God. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I just, I feel that energy and I would love to surround myself by you guys more often. Well, we're going to come and visit you in Steamboat Steamboat, because Steamboat's one of our favorite places. So we'll definitely let you know when we're there. Thank you so much. If you do have a podcast hangover, we're here for you. 
Oh my God. <laughs> Our support doesn't end when well, the recording button. I think my next thing is I think I need to write a book. Yes. And you've written a book, so I need to talk to you oh, guys about that. But hell yes. It's like I got to get the stories out, yes. the written word, and um, oh my string God. them together and see what one piece swimsuit comes out of it. I you know, love like, it. What's the... <laughs> What's the theme? (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. Thank you so much for all your time today, your honesty, your vulnerability. It, It matters and it makes a difference. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Love you guys. 